action. Coming at you from New Jersey, the capital of misery and the place where metal forgot to die, this is Ear Lies Metal, the podcast that brings you the origins, history, and culture of everything metal. Once again, I am Maledictus and I will be your overlord for today and all of eternity. Welcome. I have to admit, this month has redefined the definition of misery in New Jersey. Month of March is always the worst month of winter. And this March, we've gotten more fucking snow than anyone can handle, canceling concerts that we like to go to. However, we have some good news. This particular episode will be in honor of the great Judas Priest in two different ways. We have a double-fisted feature of Judas Priest here. We have our own concert review of Judas Priest live at The Rock in Newark, New Jersey. We will give you a full review on that tonight. And we will also give you a full review on the new Firepower album. So stay tuned for that. Before we begin, I've decided to do the news. These are a few stories that the metal media at large has been covering this week. So if you haven't heard this already, get ready for the maledicted spin on these news stories in metal. Let's begin. Now, this week we haven't too much news, as we have much more important things to cover in this episode. However, we have two interesting news stories. This week, Testament claims that they have no plans to retire anytime soon, according to the great Chuck Billy, who we celebrated so much in two episodes ago in the West Coast Thrash episode, who Chuck Billy, of course, is an icon of. Chuck Billy was saying how Slayer is going to retire this year. And uh, Chuck said, of course, we never really thought about an end game or an end plan to this. It's like you kind of have keep having to do it. You know, what else are you going to do for money, really? You know, you have to kind of do this till the grave. They have two more records that they have to produce with Nuclear Blast. And Chuck basically says, at this point, we'll see if we get another record deal. And if they don't, we'll just maybe write music on our own, like uh, so many bands do today. So, like, that's one thing about record labels. They're becoming less and less important today for a band. A lot of bands today, especially if they have a name and they have a following, they could really just use their own money and produce their own albums on the internet without nearly as much overhead. I tell you, the record label, the record labels are really starting to be obsolete. Whereas bands, especially, like I said, especially if you have a following, you could really do this on your own. There's been stories of many bands doing this on their own, making their own records. So Testament says that is a possibility. And I'd love to see more bands doing that. That really gives you hope as a musician to really just produce things on your own, not have to rely on the stringent rules of record label. And like a lot of record labels will actually sue you for records you didn't sell if you don't make their expectations that they figured out in their corporate boardroom they can actually send you a bill instead of a check record labels suck let's support the bands more and not the record labels however testament will continue to be with us until all of eternity as chuck billy cannot be destroyed as we've seen back that we said as we said in two episodes ago that chuck billy is probably the reason for the resurgence in metal it's him alone so all hail the great chuck billy of testament now, we also have another story. This one's funny. It has to do with Kiss again. And, you know, they was I hate to talk about Kiss, but they always make the news. They always, Gene Simmons especially always does something ridiculous, and we have to report upon it. So Gene Simmons says that he has softened his stance on cannabis, which he was very against, and he's 
very against all kinds of chemicals, as he calls them. And I was wrong and I was not informed, as Gene Simmons says. Now, the Kiss bass is a vocalist who has always promoted clean living, despite sleeping with 3,000 women. He has always been against drugs and alcohol and getting high, as he's claimed. And maybe that's why he's had so many problems with Ace Frehley and Peter Chris, who were, of course, major crackheads, as we know. But this week, he has landed the position of chief evangelist officer, whatever that means, at a Canadian cannabis and fertilizer company called Invictus. Now, here's a quote from Gene Simmons. I was wrong, and I was not informed, he claimed. Drug use, you don't have to be a genius to know that's wrong, and alcohol abuse. Everyone knows that that's wrong, but I've been dismissive of cannabis, and I don't know much about it. I just dismissed it out of hand. Half the men I've admit in the past that I've used to dismiss a lot of things because ignorance and arrogance, he explained. About three years ago, when I did my own research, I found out astonishingly new information that doctors and researchers were talking about in regards to cannabis, said Gene Simmons. It's funny that Gene Simmons has taken this new stand because, ironically, in the past, Simmons has quoted to have militant anti-drug stands. He said, he said this. Here's another Gene Simmons quote. We're going to do the Gene Simmons voice. I'm not against marijuana for pain relief. But on planet Gene, the great planet Gene that we're fortunately not living on, drugs would be banned. Not because I don't want you to get high, because that would be your prerogative. But when you become an addict, and getting a fix is all that matters, you're a parasite on society. Parasite, he explained. Let's create those gulags. This is what Gene said. Let's create those gulags way up in the cold north someplace where drug addicts who can't get clean are sent. And if you freeze your ass off, you get straight very fast. The idea of social rehabilitation is nonsense. These people live among us and they're like vampires. They'll do anything for a fix. So there you go. Gene Simmons, that's what he thought about any kind of drug users, even cannabis, which is not addictive. But if you give Gene's audiobook a listen, he seems to have a lot of problems with the chemical use that um, the other band members had problems with. He said things like, Ace Freely was addicted to far too many chemicals, and he has become a liability to the band. Well, then why didn't you fire him back then? Of course, they, they, you know, they would put up with Ace Freely and Peter Chris for the early part of their career, and they could have replaced them early on and put somebody else in the makeup. No one had ever known. However, they decided to put up with them and just complain about it. I think they just need something to hate him and uh, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. They just need something to complain about. You know, of course, uh, you know, Ace Frehley was a very good asset to the band, a very good guitarist, probably the most talented member of that band ever. But of course, Gene has changed his tune with the potential prospect of more money. Gene likes that. Gene Simmons, of course, is now okay with cannabis as long as I'm making money off of cannabis, which is, you know, the stands you would expect from someone like Gene Simmons. Maybe he could put a KISS label, a KISS logo on uncertain cannabis. I will put the KISS logo on this cannabis, and then it will be KISS cannabis, and, and it is okay. So there you go. That is the news for this week. Gene Simmons is okay with weed, and Chuck Billy will never die. However, the primary focus of this particular podcast is our concert review. And yes, we went to a concert 
last week. And, of course, it was the legendary Judas Priest at the Presental Center or The Rock in Newark, New Jersey. And you're going to hear about it. Let us begin. On the night of March 20th, 2018, a very great concert took place at The Rock in Newark, New Jersey, featuring three bands, two of them with some iconic status in the metal world, another one having a member with iconic status. We'll tell you about that in a second. The bands were, of course, Black Star Riders, Saxon, and the amazing Judas Priest. We'll start with Black Star Riders. Now, as the concert began... Uh, I was under the impression that this was not going to be a very successful show. But I guess not really going to too many arena-type concerts. I'm not used to the how the turnout uh, schedule works. I think most people kind of wait until the headlining band to show up, whereas a lot of the shows I go to where there are no seats, where you're out there in the open, first come, first serve, it, you know, you have to get there early in order to see to be close up, whereas if you have a reserved seat at a concert arena, it doesn't really matter when you get there. Early on, as the Black Star Riders went on, the place was pretty much only about 25% full. So I was like, is this how it's going to be? But no, obviously, at arena shows, they eventually show up, and they did indeed. But let's start with the Black Star Riders. Now, I had heard these guys on the radio because I heard they were opening up for this tour featuring Judas Priest and Saxon, and I wanted to get, you know... Here are these guys. So I was like, wow, you know, they have a couple of songs. And I was like, well, these guys sound curiously a lot like Thin Lizzy. I mean, a lot like Thin Lizzy, which is a good thing. I'm like, well, there's this band opening for Judas Priest called the Black Star Rise. They sound a lot like Thin Lizzy. And I didn't really know anything much about them. So they went on. And, um, of course, they're a bunch of younger guys um, from various locations. I think the singer is from Northern Ireland. And, um, I, you know, as they were playing, I was like, let me look up a little bit more about these guys. And lo and behold, they sound like Thin Lizzy because they are Thin Lizzy, essentially. I mean, obviously there's no original members of Thin Lizzy except for the great Scott Gorham on guitar, which I found out was playing for them. Basically, I heard this band. And I'm like, wow, they sound a lot like Thin Lizzy. Let me look them up. And lo and behold, I'm like, oh, Scott Gorham's in the band. And I found out more. They are actually the latest incarnation of Thin Lizzy course with all different members scott gorham like i said before is the only remaining member there's no brian downey or anyone else however uh they basically did not want to use the name thin lizzy or have any association with the old band of course this is a bunch of younger members nevertheless i really you know it it's the closest we're going to get to thin lizzy these days so i guess that's a really good thing because i really did enjoy the band uh, i enjoyed the sound so, and it was great to see Scott Gorham. I never thought, of course, I would get to see Scott Gorham live, a member of this legendary act. So, you know, with that, that was a good start. But what essentially what Gorham said about this band was, out of respect of Phil Linett, they were not going to have any association with the name Thin Lizzy, instead starting a new band. So, let's continue. They're a good band, but it does take Scott Gorham to really make them relevant when I found out Scott Gorham was playing for them, of course, I suddenly liked them a lot more. However, you know, their music isn't really that interesting. It's only the fact that Scott Gorham is in there making the music sound like Thin Lizzy that was interesting to me. And of course, they did uh, Jailbreak by Thin Lizzy, which I was, you know, which I hadn't realized Scott Gorham was in the band. I was like, oh, wow, they're doing a Thin Lizzy cover. Let me look these guys. Oh, shit, Scott Gorham's in the band. Wow. But they have a couple of songs that aren't really making the charts right now, but 
hey, you know, I don't think I don't really expect too much from this band. I expect it to kind of be a temporary project as Scott Gorham is getting old. And I'm sure he doesn't really have to worry too much about playing. He's probably just doing it for shits and giggles. Sure, he ha- he has a good royalty package with a lot of iconic Thin Lizzy songs. So, uh, nevertheless, a very worthy opener to Judas Priest and Saxon. But now let's get on with the next band. And I'm going to try to maybe extend this review, as obviously I can't say too much about Black Star Riders or the opening band. And they, of course, had a very limited set, as opening bands get. Next was, of course, Saxon. Now, Saxon was, of course, a crucial new wave of British heavy metal band era that, you know, they could be qualified as just metal. Uh, you know, there's no other way to uh, to really ex- um, describe what kind of metal they are. It's just metal. It's just basic metal about metal themes. They sing a lot of songs about things that metal is about. You know, they're not political in any way. They don't sing about Satan. They just sing about denim and leather and lightning and Vikings and eagles and things like that. The thing about Saxon is, before we you know, go into the songs they did, is I just could never find them that interesting. I've listened to them. I did a whole episode on the new wave of British heavy metal era. Of course, I did not you know, cover a Saxon song in there because I just simply do not find any Saxon songs interesting. They're just a very mundane new wave of British heavy metal era band. And of course, they have a lot of influence on bands to come after that era. However, they're just, they just literally, I can't get anything out of their songs. Uh, you know, the singer Biff Byford, of course, he's uh, one of those whalers, you know, one of those wah kind of guys. But one thing amazing I find about him is he talks exactly how he sings. You know, you you hear a guy talk and, you know, it's like nothing like he sings or someone will have a British accent and they'll be like, wow, he sounds, he sure doesn't sound British when he sings. But Biff Byford literally talks how he sings. It's just like he just stops singing and starts talking. He has this sort of nasally high-pitched voice like, New Jersey, the place where metal forgot to die. Are you ready for some metal? He is the princess of the night. That's how he sings. You know, so he has the exact same voice as he does when he sings the great Biff Byford. However, they did, um, they opened up the show with their title track of their new album, which probably might be their most interesting song called Thunderbolt. We're complete with the artwork of the album behind them. This flying bird with lightning, you know, very metal themes. They did uh, other popular songs such as Princess of the Night and Denim and Leather and Heavy Metal Thunder. They they are a band that sings about metal around that time. Usually, you know, I, I have to get up pretty early for my new job. So I'm by, you know, by about like eight o'clock, I'm usually pretty tired. I kind of go into this sleep mode and then I wake up again and I literally... And this has nothing to do with Saxon not being good, but I literally was dozing off, being that this is a seated show. You, you might have the tendency to doze off. Since how can I do that in this loud sound? I could do that. I'm so used to loud sounds, I doze off if you don't interest me. And Saxon, I'm sorry, does not really interest I'm not saying they're a terrible band. I just can't find anything interesting about them. If you like Saxon, hey, here lies metal at gmail.com. Tell me why I am false metal for falling asleep. During Saxons, I didn't like totally doze out, but I was kind of nodding off a little bit, you know, like you do when you're tired. Of course, when Judas Priest came out, I promise you, I woke up and there would be no more sleep or getting up or moving when Judas Priest is on. You are at attention. However, but back to Saxon, yeah, they did all, you know, the standards. But, um, you know, being that, maybe if you're up close to them, maybe they'd be more interesting. I mean, any band could really keep you awake when you're right underneath them and they're spitting and sweating on you. But 
you know, we were pretty far up. I mean, you know, straight on view, but maybe like second tier. There aren't any big screens to give you a close-up view of the band, but but however, you know, it's not a huge stadium, The Rock in Newark. It's one of the smaller um, hockey-like, hockey-type stadiums, not a football stadium, of course. So, you know, maybe you're not that far back. However, what was interesting is the floor seats were actually seats, whereas the last time uh, we were at The Rock, it, it was for Iron Maiden, and they were actually open general admission, which was really cool because we were really close up and we got to stand pretty close to see Iron Maiden. However, this show had all seats. So I guess they expect an older crowd to see Judas Priest as opposed to Iron Maiden as a slightly younger band than Judas Priest. Judas Priest actually goes back to the year 1969, actually, which we'll, we'll get into when we talk about Judas Priest. You know, I think they could have picked a better band to open for Judas Priest. You know, someone else in that era, maybe a different new age British heavy metal band. That might have been better. Saxon, you know, they have a, new, a newer album out. They've got to promote just as much. And, they are, and they're working hard. you got to give them credit for continuing to work hard. Of course, Saxon has a good pedigree in the metal world. They talked much about their time they toured with Motorhead, which must have been an amazing experience for anyone that got to tour and survive the, three, the, the power trio of Motorhead in 1980. It, it, Biff Bufford kept mentioning 1980, but it sounded like he was saying like 1918. Back in 1980. Did he say 1980 or 1918? I know he's really old. He has like a really thick British accent, so it's hard to understand him, but you know he meant 1980. So Saxon finally wrapped up their set, and I finally woke up again, and Judas Priest comes on. And, you know, we're not sure what to expect here for Judas Priest. I had seen Judas Priest at the PNC Arts Center maybe in 2006 for the Angel of Retribution album. The first album recorded since Rob Halford got back with them in the early 2000s, it was. However, it was not, I, you know, we were pretty far back on the lawn seats and I didn't, I was like, I kind of, this is the first time I'd seen Judas Priest and I expected a lot more from them. I, I would see Rob Halford on these videos and he would always be moving around and really, you know, rocking out. But this show, he wasn't very mobile or active. He was very still and he would just remain like statuesque for most of the songs, and that was rather discouraging to me. I was thinking, wow, that's all Judas Priest has these days? However, that, you know, we did get to see Judas Priest in their full lineup back then, which, of course, in this concert, we would not be seeing. However, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so Judas Priest opened the show with, of course, Firepower from their new album. And I have to say, the new album, and we'll get to the album review next, it's a worthy album. There are so many bands today that are kind of going through the motions trying to be relevant. And I've got to accuse Iron Maiden of that with their last album. It's just new songs are just not that interesting. Of course, Iron Maiden is the greatest heavy metal band ever. However, the new release is not interesting. They should really just not bother and just keep touring and playing. People want to hear the old songs. They don't really want to hear the new songs. However, this Judas Priest album has new songs actually worth listening to. And I knew it would be that way. I had heard the single a few months ago, and it gave me a lot of hope that this album would try to capture their old sound. They're not only doing that, which is good, once again, trying to be relevant with a newer sound. And, of course, under the production of Andy Sneap, who did a lot for this album, who played a lot of parts as well to really help out Glenn Tipton, uh, did a great job. I think this album, of course, is um, their most interesting release in a very long time, maybe since Painkiller. So, and, uh, you know, I think that was their last great album, of course, was Painkiller. Okay, let's get into the set list they did. The set list was top-notch. I have to admit, they opened with Firepower. Of course, 
a lot of older songs that maybe you wouldn't expect. Maybe you'd really expect them to stick to the new material, but no. They balanced it out really well. Judas Priest did not hesitate to give us some of our old favorites from our favorite classic album. What they did is they had a projected in the background, which, you know, a lot of shows today are going more visual. So they would show the album. They would have some sort of animation um, in, in conjunction with the song. And so they went out with Running Wild next. Running Wild, of course, is a great song. They went on with Grinder, <laughs> a rather suggestive song. Sinner from my favorite album, Sin After Sin. Then The Ripper, always a great song from Sad Wings of Destiny. Lightning Strike from the new album. Bloodstone from Screamin'. And for the first time ever in a tour, Saints in Hell with a rather well-done visual show projected behind the band on the stage. Sort of done in like sort of like a puppet show, like a shadow puppet show. Done in the style of almost like cardboard cutout figures suspended by wooden stilts gave it that puppet show kind of look of um visuals of you know basically a saint descending into hell and witnessing all these demons it was very very cool visuals for that and of course saints and hell did a great job uh they then touched up on perhaps many lesser fans um least favorite album turbo and they did of course the turbo lover i wish they would do more from the turbo album the turbo album is not bad for all you people that don't think Turbo is a good album, you're false metal, so shut the fuck up. Turbo is a great album. It's what they needed to do in 1986, okay? That's what Judas Priest needed to do. They they needed, they were trying to be relevant, and it all came out sounding like Turbo. It's not a bad album. Yes, it has some sort of sequenced drums and um, synth lines in there. It has that kind of dancey feel to it a little bit, but... It, Nevertheless, it's still Judas Priest, and it's a good album. Give it a chance. Next up was their famous cover, The Green Manalishi. Does anyone know what a Green Manalishi is, by the way? Of course, that's a Fleetwood Mac cover. If you listen to the original, it doesn't sound much like the Judas Priest version. However, Judas Priest, you'll realize, does a lot of cover songs. A lot of the great songs that you like, including Better By You, is a cover song. A lot of their songs are actually cover songs. It's really amazing. Look up the Judas Priest and look at how many cover songs they do. They do a pretty good job. Did Evil Never Dies from the new album. Pretty good. Uh, Heads Are Gonna Roll, a favorite from Defenders of the Faith, of course. They covered pretty much album except for the newer stuff and the Ripper Owens era, of course. But I'm going I'm going to go through the entire set list here because it is entirely worth talking about. You've got another thing coming with a with a really good visual show in the background projected. It looked like it was about sort of like the slavery of the nine to five grind, which, uh, you know, is always a good message from a band that's living free like Judas Priest. Hell Bent for Leather from the Hell Bent for Leather album featuring uh, a lot of motorcycle footage and people crashing on motorcycles. Always one of my favorite albums of Judas Priest, of course, is the Hell Bent for Leather album, also known as the Killing Machine album. But Hell Bent is one of my favorite albums. It's one of the most exciting and upbeat Really moving albums that Judas Priest ever recorded. Next, The Electric Eye, another song from Screamin'. And finally, everyone's favorite, Painkiller, featuring the amazing drumming talents of the great Scott Travis, who's been a member since that album. He's really the guy that brought them that really intricate, heavy drum beat, double bass, a huge departure from the rather simple four-on-the-floor drum beats of... Former drummer Dave Holland, who recently passed away, replaced by Scott Travis at the Painkiller album. 
He is a very high quality drummer, still in great shape, still leading that band. He actually spoke at, he actually spoke and hit, you know, got in the microphone and was announcing the song. At this point, you can consider him a founding member of Judas Priest. He's been in the band longer than many of the members. However, finishing the show with Painkiller and giving us an encore performance featuring a very big surprise. And this only happened so far, and I'm sure it'll happen at someone else's show. Now, this is the great part of this concert. And we were all just in shock when this happened. That was, and I would be even more amazed that this hasn't happened on any other shows yet. We in New Jersey, the capital of misery, actually got lucky for once. And for their encore, for three songs, Glenn Tipton came out and joined the band. Now, I could, I was, I was, I thought, of course, oh, well, that's probably going to happen at every show, but no, it didn't. Glenn only came out for New Jersey because I guess he loves New Jersey. And he felt great enough to come out there. And he did three songs for us. So we were all very happy. And it, of course, made the news like crazy the next day. Glenn Tipton comes out for three songs on their encore. Amazing. He did Metal Gods. He did Breaking the Law. And he did Living After Midnight. Three great songs, of course. Heavy metal anthems, as you might call them. Judas Priest had a lot of their 80s songs could be considered heavy metal anthems. That was their age of anthems. Songs you could scream out and try to make a difference in metal. <laughs> it, that's really what Judas Priest gives us. They, they give us songs you could never forget and just make you want to love metal and spread the word of metal about the world. But we want to give an extra special thanks to the great Glenn Tipton for having the strength to come out there and stand up and play for us. He is keeping the metal dream alive. The great legendary Glenn Tipton. And I'll tell you, Glenn Tipton, I mean, he looks, you could see this unfortunate disease in him. He has that kind of, if you remember how when Muhammad Ali was still alive, he would kind of have this, this blank stare. Glenn Tipton has that going, but he's still able to play. He was playing. You could see him playing. He was not playing intensely, but he was trying his best, and which is most important. So all hail, great metal god, Glenn Tipton, member of Judas Priest since 1974. Of course, Judas Priest, of course, the oldest member still there. We forget to mention Ian Hill, the only original founding member still in the band. He's been in the band since 1969. Judas Priest has been around since 1969. They didn't, of course, release their first album until 74, 75. Rockarola, where, you know, Glenn Tipton and Rob Halford joined them, really pushing them into legendary status. I would really like to hear Judas Priest before they uh, released Rockarola, but all, all you know, whoever else, there was some guy, I think his name was something, Atkins, who sang for them before Rob Halford. Of course, Rob Halford would give them this legendary voice that will would make, would literally make modern metal. They would take it to the next step beyond Black Sabbath. Of course, they would bring metal into exciting territory. Judas Priest really gave us the first indications of what metal was in a great show it was but this new album the firepower album really has something going for it so we are so happy that judas priest is still with us and you know i don't know if this will be our last tour maybe they got one more in them uh, rob halford of course had announced a lot of other projects he wants to do a black metal project with nurgle possibly he possibly wants to do a project with tony iomi how good would that be tony iomi's not done yet two Guys looking for new things to do. Two metal, aging metal icons. 
trying to keep the dream alive, that'll be great. I would love to hear a project with Tony Iommi and Rob Halford. We look forward to Judas Priest continuing to exist. Hey, I don't care if they don't ever come out with another Judas Priest album. If they just keep touring as long as they can, as long as they're healthy enough to do so, we would love to see Judas Priest at least one more time as many bands, of course, are starting to leave us. Like I said, Slayer, of course, will leave us this year. However, Judas Priest could just last a little bit longer. They will make a difference in the universe of metal. So all hail Judas Priest with this great show on March 20th at The Rock, along with the not-so-interesting Saxon and the closest we'll ever get to actually seeing the real Thin Lizzy, the Black Star Riders. It's great to see all three of these bands, however. Enough with the reviews. That is the concert review for that show. Um, I hope you get to see it in a town near you. It's coming your way. So definitely worth it. Maybe Glenn Tipton will grace you with his presence. If he loves your town that much, maybe he'll come out. We were fortunate enough to see the great Glenn Tipton. This might never happen again. In the meantime, we are all very grateful to be able to experience the great Judas Priest. All right, that is the concert review. Let's go on with the album. We're going to do a full album review here on this show. So it's going to be a double feature, concert review, album review. Then we're going to wrap up this show. That's what this show is going to be about. It's a very different format for this show. We usually do maybe some sort of history or a playlist. Usually do playlists or maybe essential metal. This time we are doing a full-on concert and album review for Judas Priest Firepower. All right, stay tuned for Firepower album review next. Here we go. This is Firepower, the latest record by Judas Priest. This, of course, is their 18th studio album. Judas Priest from Birmingham, England, formed in 1969. Uh, the only original member from that time, of course, is Ian Hill. This was the first album since 1988's Ram It Down to be produced by Tom Allum. Interesting fact there. And it was, of course, produced and engineered by current touring guitarist, replacing the ill Glenn Tipton, Andy Snape. This album was recorded in June of 2017 at Backstage Recording Studios in Derbyshire. And uh, it held a more, it boasts a more laid back approach and relaxed approach to recording, as explained by guitar player Richie Faulkner, which uh, you can hear in the production of this. It seems like they're doing actually what they love as opposed to just being forced, going through the motions like many old bands making new records these days. Now, what I like about this album so far, and this song, of course, is the title track, of course, Firepower. This seems to go for a more retro sound in a way, instead of trying to sound totally relevant. I think they're doing both, actually. They're, they're not completely ignoring a new sound, but they're not ignoring the old sound either in Firepower. It's a band that's moving forward as an old band in an attempt to sound relevant in a sea of kind of shitty metalcore bands these days. It's really breath of relief to hear a band like Judas Priest releasing something so catchy and so interesting as opposed to many other bands that aren't really doing that. They're really just kind of going through the motions and I've got to accuse Iron Maiden of that in their last album, Book of Souls. Here's the next song, of course. This song is titled... 
lightning strike which they played at the concert we saw on 320 at the rock now interesting enough shortly after the announcement of that glenn tipton was diagnosed with parkinson's disease last month as we heard on the pure lives metal news that kk downing the original guitarist the original other guitarist in the band since 1974 issued a statement saying that he was shocked that he was not called in to replace the um, stricken Glenn Tipton. However, this turned out to be sort of an online um, social media mistake. Really, just things taken out of context by the press. What um, Glenn, what Dick K.K. Downing actually meant, he just wanted to say that um, Andy Sneap simply helped along with a lot of the song ideas as opposed to what was thought that he said he played Tipton's riffs for him, which he did not. Glenn Tipton is capable of playing. We saw him live do what he does, and he did it well, despite his illness. So, there is no problem with K.K. Downing. Everything is fine in the world of Judas Priest, as we understand. This song is called Evil Never Dies. I believe they played this song also live on the set list and um, speaking back about Firepower the album it's uh, I'd say in my opinion this is the first release by Judas Priest that is actually worth listening to I must admit I have to admit the other albums that Judas Priest has released this century since maybe Angel of Retribution when Rob Halford returned um, those albums just weren't very interesting I saw the tour for Angel of Retribution back in 2008, and it just wasn't terribly good. The songs from that album, you know, also are just not, they were really not that interesting. And that Nostradamus piece of shit they did, that was pretty awful. It's a concept album. Can you really make a concept album these days? I don't know. You gotta do it right. It's a very touchy subject. That was bigger in the 70s. You could do a concept album. These days, if you come out with a concept album, I don't know, you have to, you gotta have a lot of balls to, you know, bring out a concept album these days so this and I knew Judas Priest was going to do it this time I just felt it just looking at that album cover the artwork I was like this is going to mean something I just had a feeling and this song has a pretty heavy groove to it I have to say so they haven't gotten soft and they're still trying to keep it pretty heavy but not too heavy this song has like a very retro title though sounds like it should be off of Painkiller or something like that either way next song this next song is called Never the heroes and continuing on about this album i'm just going to read the description of the album the, the read up the write-up of the album as this as the playlist goes on instead of making you wait for the playlist like i usually do i always do an introduction to the album before the playlist why don't we just do this during the playlist really so this podcast isn't you know an hour and a half so you can really get to things you're trying to do instead of listening to me babylon about the history of the album, why don't we just do that as the music is playing? What's the difference? You're hearing the music, right? It's funny when bands need to make an attempt at composing new music and that their old fans that their old fans really want to hear. Well, this is a good example of that. A lot of older bands, say like Iron Maiden or even like Metallica or Megadeth or Anthrax, 
It's hard for them to really make a new album these days. Their fans are pretty set on their old material. People go to these shows. People, of course, will sell out these shows. They will flock to see Metallica or Iron Maiden or Anthrax or Megadeth or Slayer. But they want to hear the old music. Maybe Slayer can get away. I think they can. They might be able to get away with making new songs because they haven't changed their sound. That's the thing. Their sound is pretty intact. It's one of the few bands that's able to do that. But old man metal bands like Priest and Maiden, it's hard for an old band like this to really maintain their sound, their original sound. So, you know, there's member changes, of course, these days. By the way, this song is titled Necromancer. I'm doing basically a minute and a half of each song. We're not going to go through the entire song, of course. We will be here for a long time. And who knows, we might get a DRM from that. So I'm talking over this music, so nothing like that will happen. However, let's continue. This record has a few songs that might, so far listening, that might re-energize this aging fan base, in my opinion, because these songs are pretty worthwhile. That's not an easy task. We really have to give it to Judas Priest for making this album happen. These songs, of course, requires retro elements of Judas Priest classic sound. I have to admit, until we, the old metal guys, the old men of metal die out, kind of like how people want old conservatives to die out so things could change. Maybe the young people want old metal people to die out so things could change. But the contemporary sound of modern metal, I don't think will ever be granted acceptance by our generation. All this current metal with their new core sounds, I don't think we'll ever accept that. We're going to have to really die out in order for that to happen. All the old bands, you know, there's going to have to be no evidence of Motorhead, no evidence of Iron Maiden. All the old bands, if they all go away, then maybe uh, we'll stop bitching about the young kids. But until then, we're here because our generation really, well, it wasn't my generation. It was the generation before me that invented metal. However, we, the Gen Xers like me, we were the fans. And we still got a ways to go before we let these young kids have the metal. All right. Then there's some older guys like me. By the way, let's get into this song. This song is called Children of the Sun. And I was saying before that it is us, the older generation, that is keeping this sound alive. And I don't have any doubt this sound will continue. I see a lot of young people at these shows. I saw a lot of young people at the Iron Maiden show. There were young people coming along with their parents to the Judas Priest show. The kids are into it. The kids are into the Metallica. The kids are into the Black Sabbath. There's no doubt about it. The kids are into the Slayer. So, you know, do the kids like these new bands? Obviously, somebody likes these new bands. But we've got to do an episode on these new bands. I don't know. I'm not feeling it. Unless, of course, the new bands sound old. That makes me an official old man of metal. You know, it's our generation that's just unwilling to accept this new stuff, but it just isn't good though, people. It just really isn't good. That's why we have Judas Priest still with us and going strong, and we'll continue to do so for all of eternity. This next song is an instrumental called Guardians. It's like a piano part. That's interesting. I've never heard Judas Priest really do anything like this with a piano. Not that I'm aware of anyway. And you know, this is their 18th album. This seems to be a major change in their sound, something different. And um, they played this as a recording at the show. Obviously, there was no one with a piano there, but 
Nevertheless, the song is more of an intro to the next song, which is called Rising from the Ruins, which will come on, which the song will actually go into. But yeah, I wonder who played this piano part. We gotta look into that. Maybe uh, one of the members is uh, multi-talented and uh, is good on the keys, but it's almost like uh, it's almost like Manowar in a way. Yeah. However, let's go into Rising from the Ruins, and it goes right into it flawlessly. And this, of course, has kind of a classic sound, you know, but yet not familiarly classic with the Judas Priest catalog, I could say. This doesn't really sound like anything Judas Priest has ever done, these two songs. However, it does not sound like something some new band would make. It almost sounds like sort of a traditional metal. In a way, it sounds like almost like something Manowar would do, in a way, these days. But it's really interesting for them to change their sound like this. Of course, this is mostly, you know, you have a new guitar player in the mix. There's no more KK Downing. He hasn't been in the band since 2011. So you have, you know, one half of your guitar players with a completely different take on music, in a completely different musical style. Of course, as they said, Glenn Tipton was playing in this album. So despite his ailment, he is still a dynamic guitar player, still changing in a way with his sound. He's not playing stuff that sounds anything like Sin After Sin. Unfortunately, I wish he would. I wish that sound would come back. But maybe Judas Priest wants to keep on moving subtly, perhaps. You could consider this album a subtle step into a newer sound, but still a lot of borrowing, still a lot of reference to their older catalog. That's what makes this album really good and really well balanced and very likable. Let's move on to the next song. This next song is called Flamethrower. You know, I think in a lot of states, in most states in America, you're allowed to own a flamethrower. Imagine that. It's not like a gun. It's, you know, it's considered a tool almost. So you want to melt snow or something? That would have been very useful this winter in New Jersey, a flamethrower. I would have just like flamed down my car and hopefully it doesn't catch on fire. And you know, flame down the sidewalk. That would be pretty cool. We all need flamethrowers, people. You know, you can be careful with them. You know, I think, you know, it's not as dangerous as a fire. I mean, it's a flamethrower. You're going to use it as a tool to clear snow. Anyway, let's get back into this song. I'm talking about a flamethrower. This album appears to have a very... It's a fire sign album, all right? It's... There's a lot of reference to fire in the concert as well. The background graphics, which they did so well, had a lot of fire, a lot of reference to fire. So I like that whole theme. It goes pretty well with Judas Priest. It's a pretty classic metal theme. It's a primitive metal theme. Fire, you know? That's where it all started from. That's where metal came from. Fire. Fire. I'll take you to burn. I think this song could fit on an album like Screaming for Vengeance or Defenders of the Faith. It has that sound. It's very familiar to me, this sound. So far, they're keeping this album pretty upbeat, I would say. Higher tempos. But Rob Halford's voice, still there, I must say. This album is not boring so far. That's a good thing. Let's continue. This next song is called The Spectre. And one interesting thing about the Firepower album 
is the production. They wanted to get a very different sound from the last album, Redeemer of Souls. But however, this album was of course produced by two different people, co-producing. And that of course was the classic producer of the Ram It Down album, Tom Allum. Of course, you have the new producer, Andy Snape, who is standing in for Glenn during this tour. However, Andy Snape is more of a younger and more modern metal producer, giving that half of the sound. Of course, Tom Allum is more of a classic metal producer sound. So those things combined gave us the unique sound we hear on this album, which makes it very interesting. Now, let's talk about this song. This song is, of course, called The Spectre, and it kind of has that almost ripper kind of theme. And you're going to hear soon in this song that they even kind of borrow apart from the classic song from Sad Wings of Destiny, sort of like a little interlude that will go into that sort of dissonant, scary-sounding guitar riff that you know of in the intro of the Ripper. It's sort of like a little homage to the Ripper. And with a name like Spectre, what, why not? You know, it's almost like the same kind of deal, the same kind of theme, some sort of night-prowling street stalker. If you listen closely, you can pick out certain instances where Judas Priest is making reference to some classic albums or album themes or sounds or riffs. It's all there. That's what's interesting. That's what makes this album interesting. This part right here. Listen up. Doesn't that remind you of the Ripper? Very interesting. I like the way they did that. Nice little touch there that they did there. Now, Rob Halford was saying um, regarding the name of the album, he basically wanted to have that classic priest album theme that's worked so well for them throughout the years of their career with names like Screaming for Vengeance and Defenders of the Faith. Why not Firepower? It kind of goes with that theme. So he wants to just have a name for a great metal album. And, you know, maybe this won't be a great historic metal album, but it's a great new release by Judas Priest, and we all like what they're doing. Let's move on to the next song. This next song is called Traitor's Gate. And um, starts kind of with a lighter sort of part. Which you could say Judas Priest has never been afraid to do. Long in the days before, you know, the Metallica light part, which we'll get into when we ever do anything on them. You know, Judas Priest was kind of doing that. Along, you know, Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, they weren't afraid to experiment with, you know, light parts, light intros. Then, of course, they would go into the music. They would go into the real heavier parts of the song. And this song, of course, really, I'd say this album, it's getting, it's never getting, it isn't getting too far back in their catalog, but there's a lot of maybe almost the painkiller sound in this record and, and maybe this song of course it's not as nearly aggressive in music musicianship and drumming of course as painkiller i mean painkiller of course was almost scary when it came on i i just never heard anything like it that's an example of a band getting heavy again and uh i think we're gonna do an episode on they got heavy again bands that got heavy again bands that might have wimped out for a while but got heavy again i think um judas priest is going to be on that episode Judas Priest is going to be in a lot of episodes of Your Lives Metal, just the way it is. You just have to accept the fact that Judas Priest 
It is one of the single most important bands in metal ever. That's what makes an essential metal band. Bands like Judas Priest, they will be here a lot. Get used to it. But they're keeping it heavy and they're keeping it classic. This next song is called No Surrender. It's a very inspiring metal theme. Judas Priest in their past, I would say, made a lot of very inspiring songs. In a way, very positive, inspiring songs. You know, maybe like Living After Midnight and Heading Out to the Highway. You know, things like that. Especially from that series of albums. A lot of anthems, like I said before. Judas Priest likes to make a lot of anthems that you could sing along to. Might inspire you. Maybe they'll help you even work out. So, that's always good. And this is just another example of Judas Priest making an inspiring song. I wonder if we're really getting to the head of Rob Halford. What he's thinking. And how he wants us to succeed. Like he did. You see? He said hearts on fire. When you say hearts on fire, that means we're training. The kind of song that could be used in a Rocky training montage, this song. Like a heavy metal song. That's metal. That's the kind you wear around your neck when you win. Heavy metal. That's what they call it. That's what the guys from Yacht Rock called it. They made up that term. I really like that term. Yes, I think this is my new favorite song from this album. It, it, it is the training montage. It's the Rocky song. It's the Rambo song. It is the working out, the underdog working hard to fight the final battle at the end of the movie. Now this kind of beat, that kind of beat that makes you wanna, just gives you the rhythm to wanna run. This is a perfect workout song. I really like this song. I'm gonna work out to this song. It's great. No surrender. Judas Priest is gonna help us win at life. All right, let's go on to the next song here. Always good to have one of those. This next song is called Lone Wolf. And uh, I think they're singing about Chuck Norris. He is the lone wolf. Now, we don't know. But anyway, this album still is kicking ass. As we're listening to it, I'm not like, eh, maybe this song isn't so good. I mean, these songs are all... It took me a while. You know, I had to listen to it a couple of times to really get it. Sometimes... I'd say, I'll admit the album didn't jump out at me the first time I listened to it. I had to listen to it a couple of times. I had to go to a concert, really enjoy it live. A lot of the songs. And you really see where the band is at these days. And this is really um, an important old, me old man metal release for the modern day. And let's see how many bands could keep making albums like this. Will Iron Maid's next album be like? I doubt it. You know, I feel like uh, when you fly around in the 747, maybe you've kind of lost touch with your music. Hey, we love Iron Maiden. We want to hear their old stuff, but yeah, new stuff, meh, not so much. I think everyone kind of agrees with that. No one would really be offended if you stopped making albums and just continue to tour as you do awesomely. You know, but, uh, you know, if you didn't make any more new albums. I think there's a lot of bands, a lot of old man metal bands, if they stop making new albums... People might be okay with that, as long as you continue to tour. We still got to see you guys. You know, that would be good enough in many cases. Judas Priest, they they did it this time, finally, because they haven't done it all century. They haven't done it since Painkiller, I might have to say. This next song is the final song in Firepower. It's called Sea of Red. And this one's a ballad. Not a very powerful battle, just a ballad. And it gives us that sound of something very reminiscent of something from the Stained Class album or the Sin After Sin album. Something around that era, that kind of 
lightness when Judas Priest had those very kind of light atmospheric songs, very non-metal songs, but interesting uh, reference to that, I would say. I want to notice one thing, they're, from their sound, uh, there is not as much emphasis on the bass. I'm listening to this whole, um, I'm figuring this out now. There's not a hell of a lot of emphasis on the bass sound of Ian Hill. If you listen to older Judas Priest records or even their live records, his bass sound is very powerful and very dominant. And I'm not saying they've made a justice for all Jason used to that of him, but you know, he's kind of in a background role. You know, he's the quiet guy though. Kind of like uh, maybe John Deacon from Queen, you know, he's, you know, kind of like very good bass player, but you know, always in the background, very quiet, doesn't say much. You know, there's a lot of bass players like that. They're just kind of in the, even though they do a lot for the band, they write a lot of music, they're just in the back there, minding their own business. That's what Ian Hill is. He's always been that guy. It doesn't help that it looks like Murder Face either. I, wish with bass, I think, you know, they got that bass player, that Murder Face. He just looks like a lot of bass players, doesn't he? They got that, that character right, didn't they? But Ian's the real thing. He's been there since the beginning. <laughs> the really true member of Judas Priest. So we always give credit to Ian Hill. And of course, uh, drummer. Scott Travis, best thing that ever happened to Judas Priest since Painkiller, even though he's entirely absent on this particular song, doesn't really matter. And of course, we're grateful of the amazing voice of the legendary Rob Halford. We're so glad he's back in the band. He's been so for many years now. Ripper Owens was good, but uh, you know, it's not Rob Halford. He was a good, he was a good try, but. Judas Priest is back, and they will be back in this form until the day they stop playing, but they will always go down as legends in all metal. That has been the album Firepower. I hope you enjoyed these samples of the Firepower record, as well as my numerous mini-critiques and my details and facts about the Firepower album. Let's uh, wrap up this podcast. We're not going to make it too long today. Thank you for listening to this review on the Judas Priest Firepower Concert and new album. And let's get on to the credits. Thanks once again for listening. And be sure to follow us on social media, including Twitter at Here Lies Metal, Facebook at Here Lies Metal, Instagram at Metal Lies Here, and contact us with any questions or comments or death threats on Gmail with herelivesmetal at gmail.com. Do not be afraid to request things, ask things of us. Say, hey, we hated this Judas Priest album. How can you possibly like this? Or, hey, why don't you like the new sound of metal these days? Are you some kind of old man? Yes, I am. I'm afraid so. I can't get into it, people. So, you know, maybe you come in here. There's a pizza with your name on it, people. You come in here and get on this other microphone. We can talk about why. I cannot accept the new sounds of the new metal generation. So, unless they sound old, of course. But, hey, be sure to subscribe to Here Lies Metal on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever the fuck else you could find it. And don't forget to rate us, even if you hate us. This podcast sucks. Only you have the power to destroy it. So, once again, it is my passion to bring you, listener, these tales of metal. However like to support the show your donors are high your donations are highly appreciated you could find me on patreon.com forward slash here lies metal give a quarter give a dollar give three dollars give five dollars give ten dollars give twenty dollars give fifty dollars give a hundred dollars give one zillion dollars 
to the Here Lies Metal cause. This one, this one goes out to the cause. And I assure you there will be no riots and you will not have to be taken out of the country in an armored bus for any reason at all. Everything will be fine if you support the Here Lies Metal podcast. Hey, we got to make shirts, don't we? We should make Here Lies Metal shirts and we should send them to anyone who gives us $10 or more on the Here Lies Metal podcast, shouldn't we? Stay tuned for shirts. We're going to work on that. Meanwhile, just, you know, give me money now for no shirt. That'll be great. So, um, that has been the Here Lies Metal podcast. We'd like to thank all of our contributors and fans out there. We got Ron in South Jersey, always a supporter of this podcast. We got Chris in Long Island. We got Rich somewhere in fucking New Jersey. And we got a whole bunch of other people that will, that do listen to this show and always give me feedback. So we like having fans. We like to hear your opinions out there. And uh, we like when you don't agree with Maledictus on whatever the fuck he made up on this podcast. And uh, we want you to say, hey, what the fuck, man? But that's, I don't want to agree with it. That's great. We love when you do that. Because Maledictus might be the scribe to all things metal, but he needs to learn things from you as well. You can help him complete his journey to becoming the god of one day I'll be promoted to some heavenly god of all metal. Not just a scribe. Right now, consider me someone that works for the metal gods. Maybe one day I could be, I could advance to the level. It's like D&D. You go up levels and eventually you become a god. Is that how it works, you fucking D&D nerds? I think that's how it works. And I could be that maybe one day, right? With your help, with your knowledge, your combined knowledge, and that will make the world a metal utopia. What the fuck am I talking about? So, thank you once again for listening, and we will be back next time with, well, let's see, what should we do next week? Should we do make another playlist? No, we gotta do a history episode. We gotta do the history on something. We gotta do another educational episode that does not involve music. I think we should work on something like that, don't you? Tell me what you want to hear. You're like, no, I want to hear another playlist. Do another playlist. All right, maybe we could do that. And I'll decide. You know, like I'm making these things week by week. You know, you always should have episodes in advance, but my schedule doesn't work that way, people. So, anyway, come visit me at Here Lies Metal. It's a pizza with your name on it, motherfuckers. Metalheads, come by. So, that's all for today, folks. You have heard review on the Judas Priest concert, Judas Priest Firepower Tour, and the new pretty good Firepower. I would, oh, what how many stars do I give it? I don't want to say this five stars. It's like four stars, all right? It's like four out of five, right? It's pretty good. Keep on meddling, people. Keep meddling with metal, and you will live a long, prosperous life, I promise you. Have a good week, everyone. Good luck out there. Thank you. Good night. Goodbye.